Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this last Judgment Sunday is our first lesson, Malachi 4, verses 1 to 3, as printed in your bulletin. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't want to call them ugly or ignorant, but there are a lot of Americans who seem to stop thinking when they travel outside our borders. One example that I've read or heard about far too many times is the tourist who happens to be in a foreign country at the beginning of July, all excited for the coming holiday. Maybe he asks at the hotel where to watch the fireworks, or maybe she merely wonders why no one seems to be flying any flags or planning any barbecues. And when they ask, don't you have the 4th of July here? They are told, well, yes, it's the day between the 3rd and the 5th of July. But when they ask about Independence Day, they often still don't get that other nations have no reason to celebrate our special national day. That day is for Americans. Independence Day is not for everyone. Sadly, there are lots of people who seem to think that Judgment Day works the same way. Christians believe in it, so yeah, they have Judgment Day, but there's no such thing for those who don't believe in it. But the last day will not be an observance or a festival that some can skip and some can observe. No, it is an actual day on the calendar. God hasn't told us yet which day, but we can say with certainty that it is the day between the day before Judgment Day and the day after Judgment Day. So for those who refuse to admit that the last day is coming for them as well as for everyone else, what they are actually doing, whether they realize it or not, is trying to opt out of something that has no options or escape something that cannot be escaped. And this will do them no good at all. Imagine you work at a medium-sized company that used to be a big company. Shifts in the market combined with poor management decisions have put it in deep financial trouble, and everyone knows it, or should. You and many of your fellow employees have seen the writing on the wall and have prepared for the day when the company finally goes under. You've increased your savings, you've updated your resume, you've started looking for new jobs, but others have taken a let's-just-wait-and-see-what-happens approach, which hasn't exactly brought them any less stress. Still other employees have ignored the situation entirely, or have, incredibly, chosen to believe that all is well and getting better. Profits and promotions are just around the corner. But finally, one day, the word goes out to every office and cubicle. Management tells all the employees to gather in the courtyard. This is it. The axe has finally fallen. And this will be the big announcement that tells everybody what's happening to them, and it won't be good. 
But one of your co-workers stays at his desk despite everything that's happening around him. In fact, he complains how all the noise and activity is keeping him from his work. Tell him to get up and join the rest. Others also tell him he needs to come along with everyone else. But he doesn't move. He just says, Sorry, that might be all right with you if you believe in that sort of thing, but I don't. There's no such thing as bankruptcy or layoffs. And even if there were, they, that wouldn't apply to me, since I'm not a bankruptcy or layoff kind of person. So go on ahead without me. You do your thing, and I'll just keep on keeping on. Or perhaps imagine something more dire. You're 150 years in the past, and you work as a prison guard. The warden lets it be known that today is the day the sentence will be carried out for a group of criminals who are convicted of a, a vicious spree of robbery and murder. You go to call them out of their cells to take them to the gallows, but one of them refuses to budge and says, Sorry, that might be all right with you if you believe in that sort of thing, but I don't. There is no such thing as nooses or hangings, and even if there were, they wouldn't apply to me, since I'm not a noose or hanging kind of person. So go on ahead without me. You do your thing, and I'll just keep on keeping on. Whether it's the axe or a noose, when the time comes, it is not anything anyone is given a choice in. It comes whether you believe it or not, whether you want it or not, reality cannot be ignored, escaped, or imagined away. And Judgment Day is a reality for everyone. The fact that it hasn't come yet, and that we don't know whether it's coming today, tomorrow, in 2020, or 2,000 years from now, does not change anything. And its coming won't wait until you are prepared for it either. That is why there are so many passages in both the Old and New Testaments that warn, warn both believers and unbelievers alike about the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. We have to get it through our thick skulls that there will be soon enough a time when no one will be able to just keep on keeping on. Time will be up for everyone, and that will be bad news for many and good news for some. To put it mildly, it will be good to be ready when that day comes. That's what the Lord is trying to tell us in, in Malachi 4. We read again, Look, the day is coming burning like a blast furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. The day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord of armies, a day that will not leave behind a root or branch for them. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise, and there will be healing in its wings. You will go out and jump around like calves from the stall. You will trample the wicked, they will surely be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I take action, says the Lord of armies. So Malachi's message here, really the Lord's, starts 
with the message of inevitability. The day is coming. It's not open to doubt or debate. And then he tells what it will be like. Burning like a blast furnace. This will be bad news for the godless. Or, as he calls them here, all the arrogant and every evildoer. Whom all does that include? It's probably pretty easy to come up with the names of other people who fit in these categories. Big-name celebrities, politicians, your, your rival at work, purveyors of pornography and the like. But it's not so easy, or at least not so pleasant, to realize that arrogant and evildoer describes everyone. Because everyone is a sinner, and arrogance and evil are what characterize unbelief and sin. What, after all, is unbelief? It's nothing other than pride in oneself or one's ideas, arrogantly refusing to fear the Lord because you think more highly of yourself. And what is sin? There can be nothing neutral about it, and certainly never anything good. It is only and always choosing your own will and way over God's, which is rejecting what is good and godly and replacing it with replacing it with what is the opposite, evil. So the words of warning here and throughout Scripture are meant for everyone, just as the day of judgment comes for everyone. All those who have turned their backs on God and embraced sin instead of holiness should be afraid, terrified, Because look what God says will happen to all the arrogant and evildoers. They will be burned up, set ablaze, and they will burn like the the dried up chaff or stubble that remains after the harvest. Burn not in the, the gently dancing flames of a friendly campfire, but in the searing, consuming, and unforgiving heat of a furnace. That's a pretty vivid image of hell, isn't it? Evildoers, be afraid. And there will be no second chances either. No one snatched from the flames at the last moment. Many of us have have witnessed a, a, a tree or a plant that just wouldn't die. It would be cut back, cut down and cut off, and yet still there would be life in the roots that would spring up on another day. That will not happen with unbelievers on the last day. There's there's a reason it's called the last day. The fire will leave nothing to the wicked. Not a root, not a branch, not even a twig to be remembered by. No appeals or do-overs will be entertained. All decisions of the judge will be final. Sinners and unbelievers should be very afraid which is why God has His prophets and preachers condemn sin and unbelief. Not because He is some kind of cosmic killjoy, but to warn people and to convict sinners of their sins before it's too late. The unrepentant and unbelieving are living on borrowed time. There is a day coming 
when all their chances will have run out, whether in death or on the last day. Don't let that be you. In the meantime, there is opportunity. Opportunity for repentance and faith. In the book of Ezekiel, the Lord makes His position clear. As surely as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn! Turn from your evil ways. Why will you die? What God wants is for sinners. And that includes us, the evildoers and the arrogant. He wants sinners to trust in Him. What God wants is for you and for me to stand with Him on the last day in innocence and joy rather than stand with the wicked in their shame, pain, and destruction. That is why He offers us and all sinners the gospel. That is why He gave the world His one and only Son, Jesus, to be our Savior. No one will escape judgment when Christ returns because he or she lived a sinless life or did so many good deeds that God decided to ignore all the errors. That's impossible. We are sinful from the moment we are formed in our mother's wombs. and The Lord's standards are absolute. Only the perfect can enter his heaven because he is perfect. So there has to be another way to escape judgment. And Jesus is that way. The very Son of God, Himself offered, Himself as as the sacrifice that, that satisfied God's righteous wrath over sin. He suffered, bled, and died on the cross, and in doing so, took all the punishment of for all sins of all sinners, leaving nothing, nothing undone for anyone's salvation. And with His resurrection, God made clear that this sacrifice had been accepted and that all had truly been set free from sin and death. Now, now for all who put their trust in Jesus, we are judged perfect and holy for Christ's sake, and heaven is ours. Judgment Day for us now is simply the day that that we are promoted from this world to paradise because the verdict is already in. We are innocent for Jesus' sake. Which is why Malachi switches from the terrible language of burning to the joyful language of sunshine and healing and leaping when he speaks of those who fear the name of the Lord, those who believe in Him and trust His his grace and promises. It's all good, all glorious. Judgment Day, which brings so much terror to the unbelieving and unprepared, will bring freedom and unrestrained jubilation to everyone who is prepared with faith in Jesus. That's what he said. Anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He is not going to come into judgment, but has crossed over from death 
to life. But the confidence that God wants to give us is not just for some distant day. It's also for right now. Because this prophecy also tells us that the wickedness we suffer from other people will be answered. And we will come out on top. We can be sure that God has not forgotten his faithful people. The Father will never forsake his children. Now, we don't take joy in the punishment of sinners. We, too, want everyone to turn from their sin and join Jesus in heaven. But we do take comfort in knowing that justice will be given us for every offense against us. Those who oppress and persecute us, those who entice us to sin and attack our faith, they will be trampled under the feet of those who believe. They will surely be ashes under the soles of our feet on the day when the Lord of armies takes action. Well, we know which side of the action we want to be on that day. But we don't know when that day will be. So none of us can afford to be complacent or, or lazy or think, I'll be faithful to the Lord tomorrow. In the meantime, let me keep on keeping on with sin. As Christ's word in our verse of the day warn us, watch, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Or, for that matter, the day when you will go to your Lord. Either way, in death or on the last day, we need to be prepared with faith in Christ. Our reading from Hebrews today reminded us that it is appointed for people to die once, and after this comes the judgment. In the moment we leave this earth, our eternal fate is sealed. And in our gospel, Jesus assured us a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. So it is clear that there is no escaping the accounting that comes at the end of all things. Christ's coming in judgment will be both fierce and final, and it will be for everyone, both the godly and the godless. But what is a harsh and vivid warning of fire and punishment for the unbelieving and unrepentant is a warm and comforting assurance of blessing and bliss for the believer. Watch and pray, therefore, that you be ready on that day that day between the day before Judgment Day and the day after Judgment Day. This is one of the reasons why, why we set aside a, a day during the church year to focus on this, to keep us ever mindful of what the Lord has warned us to prepare for. So be ever turning away from sin and turning toward Christ your Savior. Fix your eyes on Jesus because Judgment Day is coming for everyone. And this is good news of great joy for you and me. Alleluia. Amen. Please rise.
May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, both soul and body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.